her some love. That was good. They are just crushing it over there in youth. Hey, Saul. Um, I just want to make sure everybody knows, like, what's going on. So Sarah Weiss, who just took the offering, is the senior high youth pastor. Solomon, Solomon Goria is our middle school youth pastor. Solomon is, we just call him Saul. He's married to Sarah, not Sarah Vice, Sarah Goria, his wife. Sarah, would you stand up? I'm only saying this because in the future I'm going to keep talking about this. And when I say Saul and Sarah are expecting, I want you to know it's Saul and Sarah. Fair? And they just found out this week, what are we having? Having a little boy. Yeah, so we're pretty excited about all of that. Um, okay, excitement. Next week, next week, we will launch our, um, we're going to talk about essentially what we are going to do as a church over the next two years. So we're going to launch that vision next week. We're going to put it out there in really three different weeks, and each week is different. And so if you miss one, you miss it all. So don't miss any of them. I told, him, I told you that last week. I'm telling you again this week. Be back next week, October the 1st. Uh, we are going to talk about what, why we are doing what we're doing next week. Then the week after, we're going to talk about what we're doing. And then we'll get into how we're going to do that after that. So you want to make sure you're here for uh, all of them. And I just want to give you full transparency. We are asking you for money. That is what we are doing. You who have already given so much, you who already give, you who are faithful. We are asking you to do more. So when you show up, I'm just letting you know there will be an ask that will go forward. We're not collecting anything yet. Don't get in there like, oh, they're going to like, you know, take my wallet when I come in the door. No, 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 it's nothing like that. I just want you to know we, we are going to be asking and we will like through the month figure out how we are going to get you to let us know what you want to do. So, all right, that is happening. That's next week. Tonight, tonight, oh, that was, you know what's tonight, and that's all you're giving me back? I'm not even going to be here. Yeah, okay, all right. So Ab and the ladies are going to be back for Woven tonight. It's going to be absolutely amazing. It is our one night, once a year gathering where all the ladies in the house come together. And we've already far exceeded last week. So if you did not register, register. If you just choose at the last minute to not register and show up, you know what? Just show up. That makes them nervous. Nobody likes it when I say that because they like to have plenty of food for everybody. But if you showed up and you didn't register, just wait till everybody's eaten. And if there's anything left, you can have it. That's fair, right? So just show up. It's going to be awesome. All right. Uh, I have no idea how this is going to come out today. Um, I, I just, honestly, I have just been just wrecked this week, just living in the presence of God. I don't know, I mean, and then, then you're like, your thoughts are crazy and it comes out crazy and all the above, but I just want you to know I have had a good time this week. So we're just gonna we're gonna just sit here and we're gonna see what happens and then we're gonna worship Jesus some more. Revelation chapter three and verse fourteen. 
says, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. The beginning of God's creation. I want to sit in there for a minute and then we'll just wander around through the rest of the text. But um, a few months ago, I, I don't know how your morning routine is, but <clears throat> I, I really don't like mornings. I'm not a huge morning fan. I stay up all night. I wander around. I just, like, I creep around the house. It's so whatever. But mornings, I'm not, I'm really not good at mornings. Well, a few months ago, um, the celebrity neuroscientist, Andrew Huberman, he was pushing out some stuff that was like for non-morning people and a morning routine. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. I mean, neuroscientist, he's got to know something. And so I like took his method and added that to my life. And actually, it's been working pretty good. But one of the things that I do now is you get up like when the sun's coming up and you make sure you look at the sun and like, I don't know, something about the photons in your eyes or whatever, and it like helps you wake up, so then you're supposed to go to bed earlier, whatever. It, it actually kind of maybe works. I'm not sure if it does or not. But I will say I'm enjoying mornings more. Now, here's the thing. All that to say this. I've never made a habit of watching the sunrise. Ever. Um, but it's pretty cool, actually. There's something amazing about the sun coming up in the same place every day. And there is this radiance about its coming up that is just glorious. And honestly, this week was not for me so much about what can I apply from the word in my life? What can I see and do? How is this useful? Like, how does this help me on Monday morning? You know, sometimes it's, just like watching the sunrise. Sometimes you get into the gospel and it's just beholding the glory of God. And it doesn't have to make any sense and it doesn't have to be able to be applied and it doesn't have to be practical. There are just those moments where you just see him. And there's something about seeing him that is transformational. And so let's just wander in this. He is the beginning of creation. Now, when you see that word beginning, for generations, it has created some confusion for people, people longing to be even church people. There was a, the first time this was sort of brought out was there was an Aryan controversy hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago where they were debating whether or not Jesus was God because of phrases like this, that he is the beginning of creation. If he's the beginning of creation, then what does that mean? Does that mean that he had a beginning? And so they would just begin to debate. They began to debate and, and get confused and even more confused. And then finally, the church leaders came to a point like, no, 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 no. No, it's just that in your beginning, you see him as first, which is the beginning of creation. And it's about this position. It's not about him like having a beginning. Because there are a lot of people today that have confusion about Jesus having a beginning. I watch these 
people, they, they, they stand around like Hollingsworth and they have their stupid little pamphlets and their name badge on their shirts. And, you know, I know that's a little harsh, but whatever. I'm getting a little bit tired of people speaking against the name of Jesus. I'm getting a little bit tired of people wanting to take who he is and always wanting to diminish it. On my news feed, there are constantly people that I respect from a political position. I respect their political opinions and ideas. But when they start talking about religion and they start talking about Jesus and they start speaking down about him and saying things about my Lord that I just get a little bit sick of it from time to time. We have come to a place where we're getting very comfortable with everybody trumpeting every idea louder than the goodness of God. Could we just be willing to say that Jesus Christ is God, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, that there is no other way to get there? Because I'm sick of everybody else being louder about what is not true and being louder about what is deception and a whole bunch of people are running after whatever the loud voice is. Could the church decide to get a bit a little get a little get louder about who Jesus is could, could we just do that just a little bit louder about who he is Jesus is God he is God Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The beginning of creation was in the beginning, preceding creation, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. See, here's the thing. We, without Jesus, cannot see God. We can't see him. It is Jesus who reveals the Father to us. If not for Jesus, we could not see the Father. If not for Jesus, there would be no way to the Father. For no one can go to the Father except through the Son. Why? Because He is the revelation of God for us. In the absence of Jesus, we have no relationship with God. He is the exact imprint. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth 
visible and invisible, whether kingdoms or thrones or authorities or rulers, all things were made through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Everything. Why was he the firstborn from the dead? That in everything he might be preeminent. Why is he the firstborn of creation? That in everything he might be preeminent. In other words, he leads the way. He gives you the way. He shows you how to go from death to life because he has a desire to connect you to the Father with whom he is one because the Word was with God and the Word is God. He is the image of the invisible God. All things that were created were created by him and through him and for him. All of it. He was not the first of creation. He preceded creation and created everything first. That's, that's all this means. And when I say all this means, it's all that matters. Because when we get this right, we get life right. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. If you don't understand the king, you don't understand the kingdom. There's, there's no way for us to effectively navigate the kingdom if we do not believe effectively about the king. So like, here's the thing. All of creation, all of it, it can be discovered. We study, we find things out, we can fix stuff, we can make rockets and send them to the moon, we can tell you how old rocks are, we can tell you how bright light is, we can tell you about amplitude, we can tell you all the things that can be discovered. We can discover everything from the moment where we are, we can predict what will be, we can take it all the way back to the beginning, a moment when light exploded throughout the cosmos and where creation began. We can bring you all the way to here. But we can't bring and discover what was before everything that can be discovered. That, everything that is before creation, the only way to have any knowledge is for there to be re revelation. See, God has revealed himself to us through the Son. In the absence of Jesus, we are lost. In the absence of Jesus, there is no way to the Father. In the absence of Jesus, it's just dust to dust. But Jesus, God, revealed for us, brings us into a relationship in his kingdom where now we have understanding in whose image we have been created because he revealed himself to us. See, what I love about the opening of this text is that it says to the church, to the angel of the church of Laodicea, simply the messenger, the leader of the church at Laodicea, write these words. Write what words? 
the words that Jesus would reveal to us. God speaks to you. When you navigate his kingdom, when you live in his kingdom, you look for him for revelation where he might tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. But the transaction of hearing only comes from an understanding of the relationship. Jesus is God. And then God became flesh and dwelt among us. He was not created flesh. He who has no creation, he who was and is and is to come, he who was in the beginning chose to become flesh. And that should not confuse us and make us think that we are like him. Now let me explain that. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion. We were made in his image. Who is the image of God? Jesus. We were created in him, by him through him, for him. This is what we lost in our sinfulness, was that we were prohibited from his presence, but we were created in his image. See, he had to become flesh. He wasn't flesh. Make no mistake, Jesus wasn't just sitting up there hanging around with arms and legs waiting like to make something that looked like him. It's... He's, he's so much bigger than that. He is God. Like, he's God. And we were created in him, in his likeness. And we were given dominion on the earth as he has everything that is the Father's. He has dominion. He gave us dominion. On the earth. So when I understand image, I can begin to have an understanding of dominion because it matters. Like that you have been given dominion actually matters. Oh, but let me back up because we gave it away. We were created in his image, in his likeness. We were given dominion. And then through sin, we took what was ours and we handed it to the enemy. So now we took our dominion and we gave it to the devil. Now, here's the problem. What we had, we gave to him. So now we have nothing. God has all authority. Remember, he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Colossians 1.13, we just said it. He's before everything. He has all authority. He gave us authority down here on the earth. We gave that authority to the devil. What do we have? Nothing. Except he made a way where there was no way so that we could be in him once again. And when we're in him, now the authority that is his, he says he gives to us that we might exercise not the authority that we lost, but rather his authority we exercise on the earth. Why? Because he gave it to us. That's where I'm going. Let's get there. I just want you to know that Jesus is the one who Isaiah saw seated 
on a throne and his train filled the temple. Jesus is the one who led the children of God out of, the, out of slavery into across the Red Sea. Jesus is the fourth man who was in the fire with the three Hebrew children. Jesus is the one who walked in the cool of the day with Adam and with Eve. Jesus is the one who looked at Abram and said, I call you now Abraham. Jesus is the one who wrestled with Jacob and later called his name Israel. Let me just tell you, I'm glad that he wrestles with us. I'm glad that he comes down and when we want to go our own way and do our own thing, that he just crawls up in the middle of our mess and he just holds it. He says, no, 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 don't go that way, but I want to go that way. I want to do what I want to do and he just wrestles with you and then finally you come to a place where you're like, I'm exhausted, I'm tired of going my way, it's not working. Jesus, will you bless me? And he changes your name. He takes you who are in the domain of darkness and he brings you into his kingdom. And now all of a sudden in his kingdom, there's dominion that you have on the earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. The apostle Paul said it like this. There is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and from whom we exist. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Here's what I love about this. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians that we exist for the Father. But the same Apostle Paul, by the same Holy Spirit, told the Colossians that it is for Jesus whom we exist. So do we exist for the Father or do we exist for the Son? Both, because the Father and the Son are one. They're one. And Jesus gave us probably the greatest insight into this reality when he told us in uh, John chapter 17 and verse 20. He was, he was praying for his disciples. And he said to his father, I do not ask for these only. So he's saying, I don't, I'm not just praying for the disciples. I do not pray for these only, but for those also who will believe in me through their word. Make them all one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us. The writers of Scripture throughout the entirety of the New Testament would switch language all the time. They would say the spirit of Jesus... They would say the spirit of the Father. They would say the spirit. They would say the spirit of God. They would say the Holy Spirit. Why were they able to do that? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the Father. He is the spirit of the Son. He is the spirit of God. He himself, the spirit, proceeds from the Father and the Son. 
It is how the Father is in the Son, and it is how the Son is in the Father, and it is how we, He, the Holy Spirit Himself, is how we are in the Son who is in the Father. It is by the Spirit that I'm in Jesus, and in Jesus I have the door to the Father. It, there's, there's, this is how we come back to being at that place where we are in his image. We are in Jesus because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So by the spirit of God, I'm in him. I'm in him. I'm, I'm literally in the kingdom of God. I'm on the earth, but I'm in him. Now we finally just take that to a place where we're like, okay, and now what? Because we have dominion. See, this is where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. He said, who does everybody say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He said, oh, ah, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, this wasn't something that you could discover. This wasn't something that you could just find out. But my father has revealed this to you. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, on what rock? On this rock, the rock that God Almighty, the Father, told Moses, you stand on this rock, and only when you stand on this rock can you see me. You can't see my face because nobody sees my face. The only face of God anybody has ever seen is the face of Jesus, but the face of the Father has not been seen. But how was Moses able to see the Father? He said, you stand on this rock. And then Jesus said to Peter, when he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, he said, yeah, yeah, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, hell is coming, but it won't prevail. Hell's coming against you. Hell is coming against your family. Hell's coming against your community. Hell is coming against your church. But let me just tell you, whatever happens to your community by the gates of hell isn't happening to your church and is not happening to you. Why? Because he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because you have dominion. And how do you know about dominion? He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So it's sort of a big deal that on this rock, God Almighty, we have relationship with him that we receive the keys to the kingdom. Because it's only by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is God, that we get the keys to the kingdom that we might have dominion so that on the earth we can what? Bind and loose so that it's bound and loosed in heaven. Our authority is not here because Jesus gave us back what Satan stole. We got back in with him. He said, here, I'll give you my authority. Satan's still the God of this world. He's still wretched. He's still roaring like a lion. He's still trying to make havoc everywhere he goes. Make no mistake, he's already been defeated because Jesus crushed death, hell, and the grave. But he's still walking around with his dominion. And the fact that he's still walking around with whatever he stole from us back in the day, Jesus says, isn't a concern for you because I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Not dominion on the earth. I've given you keys to the kingdom of heaven. Heaven supersedes everything because Jesus supersedes everything. He's not just a man that came and hung out and did a bunch of good things and gave us a little bit of the power that he had. He's God himself who gave us the power of God. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Let me, let me give you a stupid metaphor. I hate metaphors. They're childish. They make 
little theological sense later. But let me just give you one, because everybody likes their dog, right? Who has a dog? That's pretty much everybody. Who likes their dog? All right, let me go one step further. Who loves their dog? Really? You bet. Okay. It was sheepish. It was quick. Okay, if you were with your dog, and your dog went into the lake, and something was coming to get your dog, um, would you just be like, ah, I'll just go buy another one? <laughs> would you try and do something? See, Jesus would be like us, and we would be like the dog. You're the dog. You're not Jesus. It's just benevolent that he loves you and lets you swim in the pond. But then the enemy is over here, and he's coming to get you. And Jesus, who didn't have to because he's God, you know, he could have just made a new world and new people. But there was something he loved about you. But he didn't just crawl in the water because alligators apparently don't eat God. He became like us to take our place and go where we would have gone had he not given his life for us so that we could go out of the darkness into safety, into his light. Only God can do that. That was not the work of a man. But what is so beautiful about this is not just that he saved us, but that he gave us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So that whatever you bind is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose is loosed in heaven. See, there's something about prayer and there's something about you being in him. It matters that you're in him. The dominion works in him. So he's the beginning of creation, and he's the words of the amen. Now, I love this because the way that we see amen, it's always at the end of the sentence, right? It's always at the end of a praise, Jesus is Lord, amen. Or help me, help me, Jesus, amen. We utter our amen at the end, but he's the words of the amen. Now here's where sometimes language can get a little cranky because in your Bible, what you will see is him say truly, truly or him say verily, verily. If you're a King James person, it's verily, verily. If you're a ESV person, it's truly, truly. Here's where we miss it in the language. It's the same word, amen. Amen, amen. And he tells us something and then we say amen. And then he says amen, amen. And we, he says something and we say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. It all begins with him. Why? Because he's the firstborn. He's the beginning. It has to start with him. For us to have faith in anything, it has to start with him. He's the words of the amen. Which matters because when we look at this 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says all the promises of God. All of them find their yes in him. 
which is why we utter through him our amen to God for his glory. I don't think you got that. The yes, the what we bind, the what we loose, the authority, the dominion, the yes, is only found in him. We don't find it in the world. This is why some of us get so frustrated with prayer because we see something in the world that we like and we want to bring something from the world and bring a yes into the kingdom. No, no, no. There's not a yes from the world to the kingdom. The yes is in the kingdom. We only find the yes in him, in his image. We've been created in like It's in him, this, in his sphere, in his relationship is where we find the yes. When you hang out with Jesus and you are in his word or when when you are worshiping him or when you are praying or when you are being obedient walking in holiness or walking in faith or walking in the spirit that's all in the kingdom that is in him when we live in him and in that realm we hear a yes that yes is from him and then we utter our amen not to the thing we want that we found out in the world but to the thing that we found in him and when you Ask him for what he already said yes to. Now we see the full promise come to pass. John 16, 23, when Jesus said, um, truly, truly. Amen, amen. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Amen, amen is the amen that I have to find in him. It's the yes that I find in my relationship with him. Now, this is sometimes frustrating because we spend 98% of our time out in the world. We spend 98% of our time figuring out all the things that we want from the world. We have no idea what Jesus wants us to have. And we just all, oh, yes, give me this, Jesus. Give me this, Jesus. Give me this, Jesus. Give me this, Jesus. Do this, Jesus. Do this, Jesus. Do this, Jesus. Do this, Jesus. Make my wife be nice to me, Jesus. Make my wife be nice to me, Jesus. Make my husband love me, Jesus. Make my husband love me, Jesus. Jesus, make my kids be good. Make my kids, whoa. What, 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 what did you find in here? Oh, train them up in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart. That's where the yes is. The yes isn't skipping church every two, three, four, five Sundays, wandering around out here, and then saying, oh God, fix my kids, fix my kids. No, 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 no. The yes is in him. The yes is having them in his house over and over and over and over and over, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's the yes. It's there. I'm broke, Jesus. I'm broke, Jesus. Bless me, Jesus. Bless me, Jesus. Bless me, Jesus. Bless me, Jesus. I'm broke, Jesus. Bless me, Jesus. Here's the yes. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there's not room enough to contain. That's the yes. The yes is in him. It's not out here in the wandering. But if I don't understand that the king rules a kingdom that I've been brought into, I'm going to keep wandering out here in this just lackluster, carnal Christianity that never works, is never going to work, a lukewarm, lukewarm bunch of nonsense that at the end he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. See, this, we've turned this into America, that this is what Christianity is. This is garbage out here. In him is Christianity. The yes is in him. 
I'm just trying to thin things out a little because when we all come back next week, it's everybody that we want to be here. I mean, I don't like making a habit of running people off, but here's the reality of it. We've all been doing it the other way for too long, and it's time we get serious and get our yeses in him. Because here's the thing, we're never going to find a yes out here anyhow. It's not out here. Yes is never, ever out here. It's in him. He's the words of the amen. They're in him. And then I love the ending. And he says, and I am the faithful and true witness. God is faithful. He's faithful. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now we miss this sometimes. We say if you confess your sins, he's faithful just to forgive you. True. But the faithfulness is the forgiveness. But he's also just. And, and that's where we don't like to talk about the justice of God. Because when we talk about the justice of God, now we have to understand that God has to punish evil. When we talk about the justice of God, that he's just, that, that's where discipline comes in. When he's just, he has to fix stuff. So here's the beauty of this. There's not a thing you can do about what you did, so he is faithful to forgive you. But then because he's just, he's going to cleanse you from the unrighteousness so that he doesn't have to judge the unrighteousness. He's forgiven you from it, but now he cleanses you from it as well, which means I have to walk out from that moment and stop doing the unrighteous thing because he cleansed me from it. And then when I do make a mistake, and you will make a mistake because 1 John also says, little children sin not, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. Why do I have an advocate? Because he knows I'm going to make it, miss it. It's not about perfection. It's about striving. I am I'm working towards righteousness. I'm walking by faith. I'm denying my flesh. I'm picking up my cross and I'm following him. He is faithful to forgive me and he's just, which means he will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I participate in the process of walking outside of the thing that he has cleansed me from. You have to walk in it. You have to walk in the freedom. He's given you freedom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. God, I, I give you this. I, I, can't, I can't do this on my own. I can't shake this on my own. I, I, I loose this. Take this from me. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Ever. Never ceases. His mercies are new. They are new every morning. And then he shifts and says, Great is your faithfulness. He was standing, the prophet was standing in the middle of a mess. The city had been burned to the ground. It didn't look like faithfulness. It didn't look like new mercies. What he was looking at was a disaster. But he put, picked up his eyes from the disaster 
And he just watched the sunset. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. When I get up and I look at that sunset coming up, I just see the mercies of God. When I see that sunset coming up, I just see the steadfast love of the Lord. And all I can say is, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Let's end it with this. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now, said all of that, now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. There's God again. There's God again. Jesus Christ, the Spirit, the power working in us, and the Father who is able. There there is God again. The Lord, our God, is one. To Him be the glory. To Him who is able to do. God is able. God will do what He's always done. To the children of Israel, He was faithful. He marched them out of darkness and He marched them into the promised land. To Daniel, when he was stuck in a lion's den, God was faithful to stop the mouths of the lions. There are some of you, the lions are just chattering. They're just running their mouths and all of a sudden, God Almighty just shuts the mouth of the lion so they can't speak a word against you anymore. God is faithful. It was Peter who was in a jail and it was at night. He didn't get let out during the day. He didn't get let out right before it got dark. He was put in during the day. He's still in at night. Some of you have been sitting in a jail for too long and you're getting a little bit nervous. Peter just fell asleep. He just cast all his cares on the Lord. Sometimes you just have to cast your cares on him because you know that he's faithful. Peter just cast his care on the Lord and went to sleep and an angel of the Lord came and opened up the gates and he said, Peter, get up. When he said it, when he said it, Peter was in chains. But when the word went forth, the chains fell off so that Peter could actually do the thing that he was being commanded to do. I just want to remind you that God is faithful. If he tells you to do something that you can't do, he'll make a way so that you can do it. But if he tells you to do something you can do, then get up and do it. Because when you do the thing you can do, he'll do the thing you can't do. And God will open doors and bring you through places that you never even thought possible. Why? Because he's faithful. He's the faithful and true witness. He's the beginning of creation. He is the words of the amen. Because that's how that text ends. I just left it out on purpose. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work in us, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And now here it is. Amen. We utter the amen. 
to the glory of God.